Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Louder Than Podcast. We are broadcasting to you from the year 2018. Ideally, we'll convert into binary for our robot overlords in the future. Tonight, we are joined by Chris. Hi. Taylor. Hi. Eric. Mm, hello. And the Tom Cruise of Skynet himself, Ferox. Now that Damn. we've done the obligatory notions out of the way, properly commending our cybernetic superiors. Let's introduce the topics. Eric, take it away. So, uh, at the end of the last episode, we kind of alluded what we want to talk about today, and that's kind of the takeover of robots, thanks to Boston Dynamics. Not gonna, not gonna lie, it's really cool seeing, seeing what these robots can do, but it's also slightly terrifying. Like, you guys just saw that video of the robot dog opening up the door, and nothing could yeah. stop it. Hell or high water. And like yes, <laughs> your mic died for a second, as is tradition. But great, this might need to suck up to the robots so they don't kill your connection. Yeah, listen, it, it, my mic has my back when it comes to the robots. The only day you only hear the good thing about the robots and not the bad thing. <laughs> I don't know, like I don't know how a lot of people are about uh, the whole like robo sentience thing, but like. I think we've learned enough lessons from sci-fi to, like, keep that under control. I, for one, embrace our robot overlords. I, for I think one, there's a lot of good that'll come out of it. I, for one, want to be the mad scientist that makes an evil robot that takes over the world. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we're going to get into the complexities of, like, how automation is ruining a lot of the entry-level positions by yeah. filling them and making the shrinking of the middle class even more pronounced. Like, that's we're not why, going into the finer economics. That's why past our pay grade. No, I mean, for, I, I had a discussion with a friend more knowledgeable than I am on, on these topics, and we, we kind of agreed that in the long run, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the uh, the economic concept. I forget what it's called officially, but it's basically the idea that we will become so efficient that we can just give citizens a stipend for existing. Oh, that's... Um, we're that's, be talking about moving into a post-scarcity society. Yes, post-scarcity. That's uh, the universal um, base income. So, I mean, obviously that in a lot of ways is best case scenario, and but, but regardless of that, that, there's debating to be done on which generation will reap the rewards of that and which generation will suffer the unfortunate like lull in the middle ground that that will create uh, between starting it and achieving it. So yeah, that I think that's punching a little above our our, our weight class here. So let's yeah. stick with. I'm betting like, on 23rd century FYI, just so we can maybe get Star Trek. Fair enough. I would like it a little. Uh, I mean, they predicted a lot of other things already. So. I kind of want earlier than that, to be honest. Like some, maybe sometime near the end of my <laughs> lifetime. Yeah, I just co throw a couple dozen greats in front of your descendants' titles, and they'll enjoy it. Yeah. Or, or we can just upload our brains into the internet and then live forever. I'm looking into cryonic preservation myself. But. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm enough. not going quite the Wrath of Khan route if I can help it, but uh, the future on my route. As long as I'm the original one with that, like, Marty McFly orange vest and not Benedict Cumberbatch, I think I'm good. What if you had, like, uh, Fry's, like, red jacket instead? Precisely. From Futurama. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, how, so, oh, man, so recently I saw a video of, like, Russia working on a Terminator-esque Terminator robot, which was really cool, but also at the same time, 
Holy crap, whoa, 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 Skynet. Whoa, whoa. You can't just say Terminator-esque. What is Terminator about it? They're like, trying <laughs> to build bipedal robot units that would serve as hazard zone entry for the Russian police. Yeah, so it can shoot guns, yeah, see, use power tools. It looks like human, kind of. It kind of looks like the Tin Man. Okay. And it's kind of creepy at the same time, but it's really cool. He's like, I'm all about like the future of technology and like maybe a robot overlord taking over. Cough, cough, wink, wink. Give me a good uh, place in the future robots, but you know. Yeah, we all know you're a <laughs> suck up, but put me in a battery next to Keanu Reeves. Oh, if you put me next to Keanu Reeves, that'd be great. He's the one, the chosen one. No, he's not. Not according to the first movie. You're right. Okay, but anyway, we're talking about the uh, Russian police robot. I'm not ready to give the robots weapons yet. Truth yeah, about. me neither. It's like, given the yeah. current security hazards and the refinements that need to be made to the programming, it's like, if we're not ready to let them operate heavy machinery like an autonomous car, I don't trust them with a yeah. long-range weapon. By the way, this thing can drive a car. Oh, it can? Yes. Okay, well... <laughs> well, see, okay, okay. It, ironically, we're, we're going to be discussing autonomous vehicles, but I think it's... Uh... I don't know, it's, it's very interesting, the idea of not only are we trying to go for things that can drive themselves, but now we're making things that can drive things for us. I think that's kind of counterintuitive. <laughs> I but think there like, was something I read Maybe one day you want to chauffeur. What was that thing with the Russian design I read? It was something about the fact that it can drive itself, but it doesn't have the like structural complexity to actually unload itself from the car. I think it's like, okay. it has AI, but it's not advanced AI yet. So... Because, like, they were talking about using, like, one of our bomb disposal robots where it would be more remote controlled than anything in its current state. Okay. Which is kind of cool. It's kind of like that movie with, um, Bruce Willis. Was it Bruce Willis? Um... Which, which one? Fifth Element? No. It was a movie where, uh, everyone kind of didn't live outside. No, everyone lived in their house and they had, like, cyber... They had, like, robots that they controlled from the house doing their everyday life. Oh, um... I forget what it's called. Uh, I didn't see it. That's why I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the only thing coming to mind is Demolition Man. I don't think that's it. Not it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I. I think that like. I. As stupid as people in these types of like positions to make these kind of things can be, I don't think that they would be stupid enough to like let them use weapons before they find out that they can, like, you said, you use, like, power tools and, like, that kind of stuff. But, I mean, anything can happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, drones are popular in the military right now, but they yeah. still have to be remote-controlled. You can't just program exactly. it with a certain targeting schema and expect it to turn out results. Yeah, Plus, like, there's so much that goes into that, uh, that we, I, I don't even think we've begun to reach that level. I mean, it, I think it's great, and I, probably for the better, that we're going with, um, uh, like, the idea of tasks instead of combat first, because, I mean, that'll help people on an everyday basis. It's got more widespread usage, and it's just, like, less horrifying. Plus, <laughs> um, like, we would also need, like, um, I, I feel like for something to go really wrong... We would need some crazy, really smart, crazy guy to do it. You know what I mean? Like, cough, I feel cough, like, Elon Musk. I, yeah, was, cough. I was literally <laughs> going to say, word for word, I'm waiting for somebody to say, cough, cough, Elon Musk. Like, God I, fucking damn it. Like, I don't think, like, a government would do it and make it a mistake of making, like, 
Skynet. However, I feel like some guy who's really smart in his garage, like uh, well, Steve Jobs, could is, do it. The other problem with this kind of stuff is like, if these things would, you know, like be able to control like guns or whatever, um, then you get into the whole other bad portion of it is if when something goes wrong and it shoots an innocent person like who's default and that's like a whole massive can of worms that, oh yeah like, i don't think anybody really wants to open because you can kind of go with the uh the defense of if it's not meant to be aggressive okay things happen accidents happen but when something is given the task someone or something whatever is given the explicit <clears throat> directive to harm. It's kind of like drones nowadays. Where yeah, there's way more red tape and paperwork. Yeah. The pizza. Which it should be. What? Which should be a little more red tape of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, that's where a lot of this weirdness comes in, which, I mean, I'm going to get into with cars in a minute, but, you know if it's explicitly created to be some kind of soldier or warrior or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, you're looking at motive and ability to control it. Whereas, you know, if, I mean, anything, like if, if a traffic light, it's meant to automatically keep the flow of traffic. People aren't going out and yelling at traffic lights when, <laughs> oh, it malfunctioned and caused an accident. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm picturing it now. Exactly. But, you know, shit happens. I think we do um, have something more representative of it when we are going into, like, the manufacturing or industrial side of things. Like, we're talking about automation, not necessarily fully complicated robots. But when one of these problems comes to the forefront we often look to the company's own safety standards rather than the manufacturer or the AI right. coder. Well, and, and also, like, with, um, you know, like, traffic lights and stuff, how many times do you see, like, a cop sitting at, like, the control box because, like, something went wrong, so, you know, like, they have to send somebody in to just, like, sit there and do it manually. Right. <clears throat> and I, um, I like to think that, again, we understand the price of progress is that, like... <clears throat> All right, instead of having to trust people not to be idiots at stop signs, we have to accept that for the greater good of less accidents, there's going to be some accidents caused by a malfunctioning traffic light, and that ultimately it's pretty okay. I'm not sure if I should be saving this for when we go specifically into the uh, automated cars or if I should do it now. It's just It's very specific to traffic signals, though. Go for it. The major concern right now is with traffic signals mixing automated traffic with human-operated traffic. Like, machine learning has proven itself competent enough when all factors are known. However, with humans, there's an extent of unpredictability that is going to be tremendously difficult to overcome. You look at uh, AIs that have been coded to play games, for example. They perform exceedingly well when all of the rules and all of the resources are known at all times. But if you take something like a MOBA, I think it was recently Dota or Wool that was trying to experiment with new robots or AIs, and yeah. they have tremendous difficulty with fog of war. Like, when the variables are hidden from them, they are trying to run through basically all of the scenarios simultaneously. Hmm. And right. if you do this with traffic, with all the moving parts involved, I don't think it's going to work even on just a city scale at this point if you have human and robot. If you had one or the other, I think the machine learning would work. But we're talking about integrating automated cars with current traffic. 
Wait, we moved on to cars? No, no. Okay. He's tying it into traffic okay, signals. Okay, okay. Um, um, and honestly, I think it would vastly improve things. Like, we would no longer have to worry about, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, tickets for running through certain signs, signals, lights, you name it, mm-hmm. versus the car where these rules would be hardwired into it. Just making sure that those signals and signs are properly enforced would automatically remove a number of traffic incidents at intersections or in inclement conditions or at night. And once you have the proper enforcement of the rules, which computers are very good at enforcing, if you give them rules, they will follow them to the T. You just have to make sure you don't fall into the genie problem of giving them a rule that's too vague. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. So no, that makes sense. Um, yeah. It, uh... It, go- going back a little bit to the, uh, like, the Boston Dynamics robot, um one of the first things I actually thought about was hey, how is this, I mean like, because I saw it was opening a door and, you know, the, they were trying to restrict the, the movement of the door, restrict the movement of the robot, and it's really fascinating to see, okay, well, if he's going to, well, it, I should say, I probably shouldn't treat it that human just yet. Um, However, it if did feel like very lifelike seeing that thing walk. Bot is going to be that, um, but I just find it really interesting because it, it comes, it, it bears the questions like, imagine fifteen of these things in a workplace setting, and introduce the variables variables of not one human fucking with it, but fifty to a hundred humans fucking with it. Yeah, if you don't enforce the rules closely enough, then they may try to mitigate the obstruction within their physical abilities. And because I don't know what kind of tensile strength those claws have, so... Yeah. So, I actually just found out something. Um, Boston Dynamic was owned by Google for a while, but they actually sold it to SoftBank in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, Google has a really big hand right now in AI and robotics. I wonder why they sold it. Yeah, well... They do have... I mean, it wasn't their only robotics division. Do they have more? Okay, that's that's a different issue. I don't know if... That's Boston telling. Dynamics was their most famous, but I don't know if it was turning out the most product for them. Mm. Just put it that way. Well, okay. if they have, like, the money to... They might have bought it and they had, like, all like the information then, like, sold it, but... Could huh. be. You'd have to imagine some of that's wrapped up in NDAs, though. Or, like, company yeah. proprietary stuff. Yeah. Interesting. But, hey, I'm not pretending no Google's finances. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, infinite money. <laughs> that's for finance. But um, what was, what was I gonna say? Uh, Google does have you... like a really advanced AI right now. What's it called? Deep Think, Deep Thought. And last time, oh I... wait, yeah, um, I'm I'm blanking on the actual name. Fuck. Let me look up really fast. Like we're joking about Google with infinite money and like the proliferation of their brand and all that. Could you imagine if they were pulling the same stuff as what was the site doing at HuffPo, where it was like, if you block ads, we'll use your computer's like excess power to farm cryptocurrency. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> they have all the money. Um, it's <laughs> called DeepMind, by the way. DeepMind. Deep okay. You. Yeah, and this thing. Have you seen it? Learn how to walk. Yeah, it was shown no representations of a human or any other animal walking, and it came up with some really interesting samples. 
Like, just imagine Jim Carrey in half of his filmography <laughs> and you'll not. get it. I'd rather not. <laughs> to be brutally honest with you, I'm Yeah, it's like, there's some models it. where it's trying to use its arms as a stabilizing apparatus, but they're all spread <laughs> like plane wings. Structural <laughs> <laughs> integrity of the arms and also just flopping behind it. I thought it was really funny. Well, this, no, no, this it, poor it's boy. obviously hilarious, but it's... Oof. Future. It's, it's the future. Ugh. That's fucking... Because I'm thinking of... I mean, DeepMind has been a constant source of horror for a lot of people. You've seen their, their image uh, stuff, right? Like, where they... Where it interprets something based on a source image, and then... It searches, like, a database of images and combines them and gives people, like, millions of eyes and shit. Wait, what? I haven't seen this. Oh, yeah. Chris, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I haven't checked on it in a while, but I think so, yeah. Actually, yeah. Wait, what is it called? Like, I know it sounded it's like... It's called... It's, a, it's, a, it's DeepMind, but, like, oh. it's, it has an image processing AI where yeah, you can, yeah. like... And it spits out something that looks like it belongs in Bloodborne half the time. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm, I mean, not like the things you need in my Bloodborne save, but... <laughs> What well, a good boy. <laughs> well, yeah, um, back to Boston Dynamics, or robots in general. So, how long do you think it'll take for us to get, like, an actual robot to walk down the street and do jobs for us? Would we be integrating it as a citizen, or would it be a tool at that point? Uh, I'm going to say a tool. Like, iRobot before honestly think sentience. The, the smartest thing we can realistically do is keep robots from being human or human-esque in all ways but like maybe physical design and even then we're pushing it but as far as ai we have to keep a hold on look if anything goes wrong i would actually like a broken machine i would mm. actually recommend we stick with the humanoid design just because we would have a greater understanding of the structural weaknesses no 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 I, that's what i mean outside of structural design we cannot treat it like it it is like an organic being with natural rights and stuff like no what well, happens no, no, when it becomes uh, sentient though that's what I'm saying we prevent <laughs> oh okay um, is then like no, you I, kind I of have to treat it like a person then right I mean it's a hard question <laughs> yeah I, I just think treating it like a person is a terrible fucking idea yeah. mm. I don't think this is going to be a matter of if though I think it's going to be a matter of when I know because... and that's why I'm saying it's I a was, bad idea Please I was going to say was I'm, I'm sure we'll um... we'll run to the situation I mean, soon we're enough we're all in our 20s right yeah like we'll live to see a lot of shit <laughs> yeah so... for better or for worse yeah <laughs> <laughs> and like I don't know it's it's kind of hard to say cause like normally I might say like oh I'm sure you know in the next like 15 years we'll see like this and this and that but like I don't truly know like just how far a lot of these like companies have gotten yet so it's like it's tough for me to say like I'm I've... sure they're they're like way more advanced than I actually like am aware of yeah, I think it's a situation for a lot of people where like we were like, oh, it's not that far along, and then like in some secret lab in like China, yeah. you'll have one that can like that knows every language on Earth and can like yeah, decrypt exactly. anything. Yeah, I have some more 
complex thinking on this, but I don't think it's comprehensive. It's just me speculating a bit. Yeah, go for it. Where it's, I think this is going to come down to the same level of technological priorities as VHS versus Betamax. It's going to come down to where humans' most base desires are lying. We're talking about a lot of these technologies in terms of military applications, consumer applications on like the most general app, general conceivable level like eventually i'll control my tongue too but the thing is (laughs) like we're talking about traffic we're talking about military we're talking about factory automation we're not talking about like general consumer in-home use and if we're talking about general in-home consumer use we're going to have to let the markets dictate a lot more of that than we would have to let's say university or general cultural centers right and i think that's where we get to the vhs versus betamax thing because betamax was killed by porn that was the way that uh, really the adult film industry went. They went for VHS. And if you've been following any of the East Asian developments in robotics, particularly the sex industry, you're going to find out that they have been making massive strides in sex dolls yeah. to yes. the point where they are trying to automate them to make them yeah. have a conversation. Oh. Oh, oh my. Yeah. They remember <laughs> things about you, like, and it's... It's strange. Yeah, and we're not talking just like a Furby where it remembers a handful of words no, and otherwise yeah. chirps at you. Yeah. No, this thing you have a bit more interactivity with when you jostle it around. It w- <laughs> <laughs> He said, unaware. Just smack it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is even going to the point where we have certain dolls being designed to counteract certain criminal activities so that we can contain people for things like pedophilia and physical abuse. Like, we're trying to basically cordon them off with an object that does not have these human sensibilities or physical, like, weaknesses. Yeah. Right. So, I think that we're going to have a lot of this derived from the adult industry going forward, and I don't, I'm not going to say it's within the next century, but I think as far as the consumer level goes, we're going to have it be very standoffish at first, it's going to be considered unsportsmanlike, or it's going to be sneered at by prudes because it's basically like a subhuman class being invited into your household and it's going to take generations for it to actually reach like general market acceptability were you guys a fan of uh futurama when it was out yeah 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 do you remember that one episode of futurama where fry ends up dating like lucy lubot yes and they had this whole video about why you shouldn't date robots (laughs) yeah i'm getting like that feeling from this uh, me too, 100%. Don't date robots! <laughs> yeah, especially not right now. They cost 15 grand a pop. Oh my. Which is a lot of money, but not that much money for what you're getting. Cheaper than a divorce. So, if you're worried about <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. No, thankfully, I've never been through it, so dear God. <laughs> Unless you go for those one of those billboard ads to say divorce for only a hundred dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she won't take the house, the car, and the dog. She'll just take a couple batteries. Then you're golden. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe a dog. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Everyone likes that. Dogs. Is a separate peripheral. I would not recommend installing. <laughs> <laughs> we love puppies too much. Oh god. <laughs> Puppy protocol initiated. Strangely enough, it looks like a Boston Dynamic thing too. Really. Maybe that's how we have to put together the different robot markets where we have this, like, highly innovative, like, 
futurism style industry and the adult industry, which is mass consumer appeal. We have to mount the robots. Uh, so relatively <laughs> uncomfortable with that train of thought you just. Uh, I think it's time for us to change the subject. <laughs> 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 for YouTube oh drop kicks us <laughs> or Twitch. Yeah, you know, either one. Uh, yeah, that claw doesn't look it has both. too many sharp edges though. It can extend somewhere. Uh mm. if you want to change the topic, do it. Just stop letting me talk. Knife penises. <laughs> mm, my favorite movie. Paul New Vegas, finger penises. <laughs> or hand penises, I'm penises, sorry. Penises though. Mmm. I still love that old world blues thing from New Vegas where it's like the robots are these complex medical devices but they don't know what hands are. Yeah, so yeah. it's like they they don't know what fingers are so they try to break it down. It's like these phallic devices at the extent of your appendages. Oh, hand penises. Oh, that one, yeah. Those guys were great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the wisest of all, of all robots. Okay, so on a similar but different, uh, you know, train of thought, I I have thoughts on driverless cars. I'm excited for it. I'm so excited. So fucking excited because I hate driving. Yes. I know same. people are hobbyists, they like cars. Nah, nah, fuck driving. Um but the specific thing I thought would be fun to debate is okay. In an I know there's variables and we can discuss variables, that's fine, <laughs> but Let's say your driverless car is driving you around. Its name can be Jeeves because I know Eric's a bougie that likes to be escorted around. He, he already said that before. Yep, yep. Um, now, let's say there's an innocent but at-fault child who runs into the road to grab a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's say for some stupid reason one of you has to get at least injured if not killed. Like, there's no, oh, let me just swerve out of the way. Who should the car prioritize? This is some robot stuff here. <laughs> I, 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 I want to hear you guys say what you think before I say what I think. I think Google was actually batting this idea around when they were talking about the automated or at least remotely operated cars, how they try to prioritize different things. Yeah. For my tastes, uh... I would probably recommend preservation of the driver. I, I mean, just I with agree. the limited variables you've presented to me, I would go for the pres preservation of the driver. Like, if someone just jumps in front of the car, um, I don't want to say it's their fault, but it's kind of their fault. <laughs> well, no, and that's the thing. Like, in a situation where I am not at fault, I feel bad and all for whoever is, you know, at in danger but I find it odd that the you know the machine that is acting in my stead would prefer to put me at risk for something I didn't do and again it can be a slippery you know or it could be a logical fallacy like the slippery slope or whatever but there's something to be said for precedent mm. um, I don't want there to be a precedent set that well your safety doesn't matter as much, so here, put your trust in this thing. I don't like that. Well, we do have a current model that's comparable to that with emergency response units, whereby if you get multiple reports coming in at a time, you've spread your people out too thin, and there's not enough ambulances to fit, fetch everybody. Let's say you have two calls coming at the same time and only one ambulance left. Both people were 
incapacitated, they're on the ground, they can't get up, they need help. But okay, one yeah. is a concussion on, let's say, a 20-year-old at a factory site, and they have access to medical supplies, they are already being tended to, but they des- desperately need a hospital. Versus you have a residential call from, I don't know, an 80-year-old who just had a heart attack, and they have no way to open the door, you would effectively have to contact the police to even get into the area to rescue them. It's like, you have limited resources, you can't get additional help, you go for the factory person that's already on the recovery, even though the other person is in more desperate condition. And that person in the factory would have an additional 50 plus years to live. So it's just trying to weigh the net pros and cons of both. Right. And this is something that, it's not automated, it's not someone who would trust your car to figure out for itself. We still have human employees trying to net this nip this problem in the butt and it's still a problem yeah and i mean and you know like i said it's t- it's a tough call because you don't want to be that guy who's like oh, yo fuck the kid like no it's it's not about that it's it's more just the idea that i you know again bad things are going to happen and i think ultimately there will be enough lives saved, enriched, you know, what have you, that the occasional hard situation like this... Now, I know I brought it up, and, well, you know, what the fuck, but I really think that while this is one of the hot issues for driverless cars, I think it's going to be less of a problem than a lot of people may initially think. Mm. Um... Because I think it will there there will be so many safety enhancements that you know it'll be a, less of an issue, but it still does need to be talked about. Yeah, off the top of my head, I think the major concern right now is the predictive capacity to interact with other vehicles, mm-hmm. and we could actually address this to some extent, but we would have to have military technology. It's the same stuff they would use to track down potential war criminals and people wanted abroad. So I don't think Google's going to get their hands on it that quick. <laughs> but yeah, the lion's share of it just comes down to trying to find a way to preserve all parties while mitigating damage to the greatest extent possible. And it depends on whether or not humans are going to play ball. Because, again, this breaks into the consumer market. I mean, if we have automated cars with any sort of frequency on the road, then a lot of these, uh, I don't know what you would call them, but these, like, commission drivers like Uber and Lyft, they're going to go out of business because people are just going to get automated taxis. Well, aren't they already um, attempting to line their ranks with driverless vehicles? Are they? That's what I heard. Let me Google that. Keep talking. Yeah. To yeah, the best of my knowledge, they were experimenting with it, but it's not something like cons- if they're experimenting with it, they have to have customers somewhere. So I'm not actually not sure. Mm. But Uber expands driverless car pushing deal with uh, twenty four thousand Volvos. Is there an implementation date in that article? Oh, one second, going through it right now. Because I know right now there was that Uber Eats shooting, and I think that if they want to remove the drivers armed from the equation, this is going to be the time. Looks like 2019 to 2021. Okay, so it's coming next year at the earliest. Yes. Huh. Which, you know, exciting. Because I've had some bad Uber drivers before, so 
I I've never mind. used the service. I, I have no idea. I mean, I use it out of, I, I guess you would call it necessity. Yeah, like, if I ever go to a bar, I take an Uber, but, like, I've also yeah. almost gotten into an accident because of them, which, you know, not fun. Yeah, I don't like the idea of trusting a non, like... Somebody don't know to drive you around. stranger. Yeah. yeah, like, at least taxi drivers are supposedly qualified in some professional capacity. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I mean, also, like, dude, just let me buy a driverless car. I, I I, cannot stress enough. People are like, oh, well, you trust a machine? Yes. Yes, I fucking do. Because I'm expected every fucking day to trust some jackass doing their makeup or reading a book or yelling at their fucking kids turned around to the That's back That's a crash seat. into me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trusting them. I would much rather trust a fucking machine. Who doesn't get distracted. Yeah. yeah no, no, I feel it. Spots just position extra cameras. It has all the additional sensors. Like, if it needs a manual interaction, it can wake you up or just alert you to pay attention to the wheel. <laughs> and even then, if something, if you don't pay attention and something goes wrong, your odds are still way better. Hey, stupid, wake up. <laughs> yeah. I think the well, one Volvo okay, was working now, on was, like, certain roads are accessible. Because apparently Volvo's been doing this for a while. They just haven't told anyone. Um, they've been... Nice. You can drive on the highway with no problem, but, like, if you once you get off the off-ramp, it'll alert you, say, hey, you have to take back control, or it'll just park on the side of the road. Huh. Yeah, the problem, as far as I see it right now, with driverless cars is that they've gotten so much negative press because... Virtually the only times they make the news nowadays is when there's some sort of accident involved. Mm. And you don't hear anything about the lion's share of their trip being uneventful. It's just treated like another vehicle in traffic. Right. And people who dig see that, like, oh, look, a majority of driverless car accidents were caused by shocker humans. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, like, it's it's just the way it is. And I don't know. They... There's another angle I'd like to get your guys' opinion on, though. Uh, what do you think about uh, people who are hobbyist drivers, like people who like to buy cars and work on them for fun and take them out and drive them? So, like, the way I kind of feel like it should work eventually is, like, maybe a driver's lane where a human would drive and a self-driving lane. You'd probably have to break that up into whole different freeways, otherwise they're going to cross over each other to make their exits. Like, yeah. it really depends. Like, I feel like... I think that's more trouble than it's worth. But I feel like... So, like, a self-driving car probably could drive on with humans. But, like, they should have... like You know how they have, like, the carpool lane? Maybe have one of those lanes dedicated to self-driving cars just because, like, self-driving cars can drive faster than normal and they can drive closer yeah, yeah, than normal. Yeah, yeah, but here's, here's the thing, though. I, I'm not saying this is, you know, just because I'm a fan of self-driving cars. I think it it's important to note the idea of it may be maybe an all or nothing kind of system um where you know if all cars aren't driverless cars there's there's kind of a uh a potential that things are going to go a little weird you know like if you do uh I'm trying to like organize my thoughts here, but like if you do a driver's lane for people who want to drive their own cars, it, that might just get a little wonky. It might not work right. I'm thinking that the most ideal thing is you're going to have to, 
as a hobbyist now okay, okay I'll use gaming as an example because that's the kind of fucking show we are uh, um <laughs> I uh I'll use gaming as an example that okay I love games from all eras and as somebody who is enthused by older games I have to accept the fact that for awesome new you know display tech to continue innovation I'm not expecting them to have any fucking CRTs made anytime soon it's just the way it is so I am accepting that for my passion my hobby I love old CRT screens I gotta deal with that not being in the market anymore and the idea that later on down the road we're gonna have to find a way to replicate it or remanufacture it as enthusiasts because the market is not dictating it so in the driver's sphere I'm thinking you're gonna have to just dedicate some space to racetracks or driver tracks because I mean they already exist you're gonna have to deal with it as a consumer that for you know for things to advance and you know if driverless cars end up being as safe and convenient and amazing as we think they're going to be you're gonna have to buy a little trailer for your car you're gonna have to have the self-driving car take you and your car to a track and then you're gonna have to drive it there you know you're gonna have to give up some of that hobbyist mentality and like it's going to piss off some people but like it's oh, the future you, you it's can't stop the future some people I mean, even just going with racing, there's uh, automated cars that are monitoring cameras and other, like, I think it's emergency vehicles and, like, recording for the television version of the races. You already have automated cars that are able to keep up with and exceed the human drivers. Yes. And if I I can build off of your proposal a bit more, where it needs to be all or nothing, I think it may need to go all, but it needs to go all in certain areas. Like, if you're going for the rural reaches of South Carolina, for example, I don't think that's going to be ready for automated drivers just yet, because there's not that high of vehicle density on the road, and there's also not that high of a, like, consumer base to integrate it right away. Like... You would have to go for the urban metropolitan areas. Like, if New York City was entirely automated, that would only be beneficial. Because with the amount of police intervention in ongoing crimes there, with the amount of accidents going on there, with the just sheer raw density of people, this Mm. is where you would need to focus the resources. How many people in New York even own cars? Like, they talk about using the I was actually going to say, like, I know a lot of people who live in New York, and I've, you know, met other people who are from the city or know people in the city and most people just fucking agree it ain't worth it yeah i think you could get the vast majority of new yorkers to coincide with the agreement on going full driverless or maintaining human drivers and for the first i'm gonna guess like a generation so 20 years you would probably still have to have human operators in the vehicles just for emergency purposes while the tech's being ironed out and while you're trying to win public favor because you still have the proliferation of accidents in the news so as long as you have people certified to take over in the event of an emergency and you can get i don't know like a borough or even the city entirely to agree to the regulation all at once you have a safe situation and um it sucks because as much as I hate this ideal driverless cars they need fucking they need better press I, I hate that it doesn't speak for itself but it 
people just don't understand that, hey, these accidents are being caused by people, not the cars. And, hey, look how safe, like, look at the rates of, you know, the decisions they make and whatnot. You know, people who aren't like us that keep up on tech and, you know, the advancements in the tech world, which is fine. It's not everybody's forte. I'm not, you know, shaming them for that. But it just ends up as an issue because people don't know how to put their trust in machines necessarily you know people are saying well how can you trust a car that drives itself when people like me I won't speak for you guys but I I think it's safe to say you pretty much agree with me on this people like us are saying how do you not trust a, a, a machine more than a human I think it's just generation-wise, like, eventually... Well, generation is part of it, but, I mean, there's even young people... Dude, I I gave up on the notion that um, my generation is somehow just more enlightened by default. I've met some people my age who I'm surprised they can find the power button on a computer. And to an extent, like I said, that's fine. It's not everybody's forte. But basic literacy in a world like ours, it's really not that hard. I can't remember who to source the quote to, but there's one I think is always relevant. We live in an increasingly technologically dependent society populated by the technologically ignorant. Yes. Or it's either the ignorant or the illiterate, and I probably butchered other parts of it too. But the point of I, I understand is, the point though, yeah. Go ahead. The point is that like, we would not be able to have this conversation without the technology right now, where we have these commercially available microphones, and we also have headphones to mitigate potential sound issues, and of course the computers themselves. Like, this would be something that we would have to round up ourselves in a single location, and if we were going to have any discernible live audience, we would have to have like seating assembled for them in a theater or some other public venue. Mm-hmm. And if we want to do a re-release of this after the fact, then we would Furthermore, either have to go and the it, vinyl imprint route, or we would have to go again into a more technologically impressive, like digital circulation. And right. the thing is that technology becomes so thoroughly integrated into our lives that just like using the podcast as the example was not my only one, where a lot of jobs cannot be conducted without this technology nowadays. I mean, farming used to be a much more physically laborious task which involved a massive amount of employees whereas now with the the improvements that have been made to watering irrigation systems and tractors you are able to significantly reduce that number of people to basically those who maintain the equipment it's like if you're looking into dystopian sci-fi these would basically be the people who maintain the robots yes and if farming is a model, and frankly, farming is one of, if not the most important jobs in society so that we can actually keep our species fed, yeah. I think that's going to eventually, and I know people hate this, trickle down into the general population. Well, yeah, and I think um, I, I just personally do find it a little bit um, a little bit ignorant to just say, you know, I don't need to deal with this, whatever. Because, yeah, you, you know, you don't have to, you're not expect everybody doesn't have to be a programmer, everybody doesn't have to understand, like, even high-level stuff, like, you don't even have to understand, I don't know, like, I don't give a shit if you know how to use a, an external hard drive or anything like that. All I care about is, like, can you just 
function. Like, I don't want to have to tell you how to check your email if I'm working with you and email is how you communicate. You know, people, and I wasn't, I haven't been around for any really crazy, I mean, I can only imagine what it was like switching from, you know, carriages and walking everywhere to people being like, okay, I probably should buy a car. It, 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 things are not always that easy to change over, but I, I just, I don't understand how people aren't at least excited for things to get, like, interesting and uh, for us to advance because it benefits everybody to a degree. If I can be more sentimental, I think it's just people are scared of keeping up. Like, yeah. we move in such a fast-paced era that we don't even think about stuff like how the World Cup started before the Ottoman Empire ended. Like, yeah, we are... And that's just one factoid. It's just... I don't know. It's like, what was the last public hanging execution when we still had Star Wars new in theaters? I could be butchering that entirely. Just it was either a hanging or some sort of non-chemical death. Oh, okay, okay. This is actually news to me. I'll admit it may have been the electric chair, actually. But a point for another day when I actually have Google open. Right. <laughs> he says after talking about Google for so long. But the thing is that, I don't know, I think it's just a lot of people that are so set in their ways that they're not willing to adapt. And I don't think it's a general age. Yeah, I feel like generational it's what people battery. are like. Because we're naturally very pattern seeking. And once we establish our patterns, we try to maintain them. It's one of our evolutionarily distinctive traits. It's one of the reasons that conspiracy theories are so rapidly proliferating. And right. we have sought out these patterns, we've established them, and now we are trying to break these patterns, and I do think it's going to be general, generational. I can't talk. Generational to an extent. <laughs> I, I'm not so naive that I think, well, generational gap makes no difference. No, it does. But I think it's harped on a little too hard. Because I've also met, you know, yes, they could be the exception that proves the rule, but I've met plenty of people who are wise beyond their generation, you know, that they've learned and kept up very well. There are um, esports teams like the Silver Foxes where it's all constituted by senior citizens. It's like, yeah, what they play. Really? It's like, CSGO. yeah, it's like all the team members are 50 or over. That's cool. So it's not incredible. a purely generationally defined matter, but I do think it's relevant because we have. We're limited to the exposure we get when we are maturing, and we can only modify that behavior to such an extent. Right. If you are trained, like all of us, I have to assume in our driver's ed, are trained that we have to, in driving, consider so many variables, and they're all human, how are we going to trust that a brand new piece of tech, and it's not widely known how long it's been in development for, this brand new tech to get something that is so complex we had to go through an entire additional educational segment for it. Right. It would be like people don't, wouldn't believe a computer could handle math on its own until you pulled a calculator out of your pocket. And this that, is, assuming people still own valid, calculators, yeah. even though we'd use our phones for them now. Well, and, and then the other issue is like people don't, um, you know, people aren't considering the fact that these, um, they, they don't know the individual building blocks and that's what a lot of tech is like self-driving car 
as a package sounds very like scary like how how in the world what the fuck but like you know um you you look at the pieces and okay well these cameras are for you know seeing what's near it and to avoid collisions and it has gps navigation to know where it's going and you know as you make it a little more understandable piece by piece suddenly it's not that scary in a lot of ways does that make sense it does and i think what we're both trying to get at here is that we need more education on this matter in order to actually get people on board because right now it sounds so far-flung futuristic fantastical that people just don't trust it by their gut yep absolutely and it's it i i can't necessarily blame them and i was i'm very fortunate you know that i mean i've seen it firsthand my parents i mean my dad brace yourselves 70 years old <laughs> wow i'm in my mid 20s so i was a late baby um that being said i'm extremely fortunate that my parents raised me to guide me towards being open to change um stay on top of things they encourage my my love of you know tech and things that were new and exciting and you know they could have just been like computers you know but they liked staying current and they passed that down to me so i've seen firsthand that you don't have to be ignorant just because something's new do you think it's also a regional thing though a what a regional thing it could be a regional thing we grew up in the northeast you know things are more city like more bustling Compared that to a more rural area, like... Where they don't even have cell phone service, let alone cell phones to use them. Sometimes. Like, sometimes. No offense, but, like, maybe Iowa? Because I don't think a lot of stuff happens... Like, not to say nothing happens in Iowa, but I feel like not a lot of stuff happens in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Kansas, the perception... We'll just go by the perceptions. We are not claiming factual knowledge, but first of all, Montana. I know people who have lived in Montana, and parts of it where it's very... There's, like, nothing... Um, even, and it, it's regional, even where we are, like I've been to sections of Pennsylvania where there's acres between neighbors. I mean, we're talking an almost a, a, you know, a suburban block before you see another house, which yes, that's not a terribly big distance, but it, it tells you how much empty space there is. And that's on the average. I've seen even more areas in like Pennsylvania or even upstate New York where it's, like multiple city blocks city not suburban before you see another house and a lot of the people who live out there you know there is a culture of like i'm I'm here doing my own thing and th- unfortunately that can breed ignorance i'm not saying the people were bad people but they didn't exactly have their finger to the pulse mm. it's like they which could be, be admirable in its own way but, you know, yeah, exactly. They don't need to be on the up and up about it because they're just living their lives. The issue there is even if they're not hurting anyone, and that's that's great. You know, they're doing their own thing. Again, I respect it. The issue is that when things like, you know, driverless cars come up and people go to get, you know, the opinion of the nation as a whole, you get people going like, uh, 
I don't think we need that. And, you know, meanwhile, they don't actually really represent the masses. The consensus of yeah, yeah, just the people who are going to be the using the population them. at large. I mean, just. Also, is it, could it be also be a thing that, like, the people who are displeased are just louder than the people who are pleased? Oh, absolutely. Vocal minority. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. So, you know, it's like. Maybe, <laughs> uh, like, oh, what am I trying to say? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think we should have it, but there's always going to be someone who's not the biggest fan of it. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, it, it, going back a little bit, I think, like, like I said, it, it comes back to multiple potential issues where it could be we need better press for it we need more factual press for it we need people to have a baser understanding of tech so that if we tell them no no it'll know where it's going it has gps well well how can i trust that okay well apparently Ooh. you don't use a gps i know i know personally at least one person who literally and yes they're they're older they literally think that i don't need to go anywhere where i need a gps to go why would i ever need a gps I have an idea. I have an idea how we can sell this. Okay. okay. Yamish. <laughs> as long as we do... Hell, even the Jews, we just have them on the high hall Sabbath where they can't press, press buttons. We have this entirely haptic interface where there's no physical buttons, and we have these people who need to technologically restrain themselves, and these people who are seen as, like, simple, frail, and they're just defenseless utterly in the face of this advanced technology, and we have them get the endorsement. How the fuck are you going to put an Amish person in driverless car? <laughs> yeah. My family owns an Amish fireplace, and that shit's battery-operated. They will do it. Oh, really? You point. just have... Yeah. We have a portable fireplace at our place. Okay, nice. Okay, that's... And, it's like, that's, that's, and nobody that's saw a car deliver it, so I'm not saying it was delivered by a horse-strong carriage, but I'm heavily implying it. <laughs> <laughs> or aliens. Dude, I always find it funny when we drive by them in a... Uh, in Pennsylvania because they have fucking um uh they have like reflectors and shit <laughs> yeah reflectors on a horse strong carriage uh, you know what just walk a couple of Amish people in automated cars and run them up and down the autobahn German engineering we're sold yeah Done. yeah you've just converted a nation probably mm -hmm. that or gone to war with one but that's a regional cross we, 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 we won't worry about that one yeah we'll um, not worry about that yet we're not deploying Sweet Abashi and Eagle Prime here. Let's be real. Okay, so... However, Eagle Prime would be pretty sweet. Mm hmm But you um, lose the pilots, and it's not a Jaeger anymore. Well, that's true. Mm. So, uh, shall we move on to the next topic? Yes, this one is... Oh, this is weird. This is very would you weird. like to bring it up? Yeah, I would, actually. Thank you. Um, so... DMCA rules, as we know, um, they affect things like, oh, like community involvement and things and whatever. Um, obviously, it's for the big thing you think of is when you search for Google, something on Google and it's like, oh, you know, DMCA prevented these Google results because they're related to piracy or something like that. But it can also apply to... Um, fan recreations of things or whatever hence your takedowns of uh, you know the Metroid fan remake etc Nintendo is famous for it Pokemon remakes 
the new issue... Uranium, Metroid 2, Reloaded. Exactly, yeah. The new issue is um, reviving dead gameplay servers. Uh, Enthusiasts want to... I'll say enthusiasts and preservationists. Um, They want to understand... I mean, and it's admirable. You want to know how these servers were built. Um... You know, you want to preserve the tech so that you can learn, you know, this could be great for bustling game designers. How were these servers programmed? What can we do to make our netcode this good, etc.? Now, this Ars Technica article I'm personally pulling from, um, they're fighting for exemption to say, hey, we want to do this, we want to take this under our wing and preserve these servers, but they're push- the game industry as a whole, they're, they're really, they're, that's how they're wording it, uh, is pushing back and saying that, you know, it's, it's adverse, uh, we don't want them to have that, uh, the freedom to muddle, and I know I think that's really fucking bad. Um, Chris, uh, other Chris, um, you might know more about this, but I heard that there was a legacy World of Warcraft server that got shut down by Blizzard recently that a lot yeah. of people got angry about. Was this be it under was like either same? last year or the year prior? And it was specifically because Blizzard was they were using the legal justification, I should say, that it was at parity with their product and they didn't want to confuse consumers. And the argument that then came from the legacy server upholders was that this is a service Blizzard no longer offers and we're not charging people, so we're not taking away any potential revenue from you, yes. theoretically. Yeah, and it, yeah, that they're not replacing Blizzard in the market in any way, shape, or form. So... But the fact is that their servers got taken down, and wouldn't you know it, WoW Classic got announced last year. Yep. Huh. It's almost oh. like they realized there was a demand for it and that they could charge them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's pretty disgusting in that in that way. But it's like Blizzard's taking something that was done for free by fans and selling it themselves. Just I beautiful. That's a whole thing. capitalism. Which, on best. one hand, I can't say that they're entirely entirely in the wrong. I mean, it's their um, copyright. They have to defend it. So, well, and, and like, not even. It not even in the sense of defending their copyright, but also that you're, you know, the, the, the fan service came as a result of reviving something Blizzard used to offer. Now the, the issue comes in that do they reserve the right to offer it again? Do you get what I'm saying? Like uh, copyright law gets very weird here. Um, and I'm not an expert by any means, but, um, you look at it and you, you think, well, you know, they, since they did the original one under the law, do they retain the rights to do that again by stopping somebody? You know what? I'm just going to, for the sake of keeping things on the kinky side, I'm going to, <laughs> yes, kind of designed uh, River Song and had her protect Cersei Lannister. Sure, it's, we're staying with the episode. But <laughs> things like the way different game developers and publishers are embracing their fan community. Like Blizzard, for example, has been notoriously trying to take down all instances of Rule 34 Overwatch content. 
although they are outspoken about it, it's clearly not been successful. And that's part of the driving fandom that keeps the game afloat financially. Whereas yeah. you have certain sensibilities from other countries, like, uh, was it either Square Enix or, yeah, it was Yokotaro. Yokotaro from uh, Near Automata, where it's like, he puts out a public message to it's like, it's very distracting and disconcerting to have so much nude photography and imagery of my characters floating around. Could somebody please compile it into a zip file and send it to me? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, and he got the file, of course. It's like, wow, there's a couple of rebeats in here, but this is all great. Keep it up. Yeah. And you it's would not like, get that okay. kind of endorsement from a Western developer. <laughs> and this same thing happens to obviously a less titillating extent with server management, where if you go into like the big FPS of nowadays, Call of Duty, Battlefield, I don't know if Call of Duty has it, but Battlefield had it definitely, where you mm -hmm. could pay to rent a server. And this would offer you no distinctive advantage other than the fact that it was isolated from the general populace. So you could rent it out with a clan or just your circle of friends, however you want to put it. Okay. And it could be customized to a certain extent, but it would not be like, I don't know, going to a version of the game from five plus years ago. Like, especially the FPSs that allowed server rental, like, the game didn't even exist five years ago with those servers obviously not being available. Hmm. Right. So for something like legacy servers, like this is a product that does not functionally exist anymore and we're not charging people. As long as you're not charging people, I think that has a tremendous amount of legitimacy for the archivists in the community. People want, who want to preserve gaming as an artistic medium and not right. just as a toy. And I think... Um... I think there's an underlying theme here that makes me very uncomfortable if it if I'm indeed right. Um and that's the notion that um how do I word this? That the gaming industry instead of and this is speculation on my part, but I feel there's a certain culture in in attacks like this on uh enthusiasts that favor instead of creating new things that are engaging they're trying to prevent old things from being engaging instead of their new thing so yeah. they're worried that well if people are playing old online games they won't want to play a new online game no no that's not an issue people have never that's barely an issue with anybody ever i mean i'm sure you could argue that yes there's examples of it but you'd be hard-pressed to prove it has a long-lasting effect on the industry. Those people are probably frugal with their money anyway. I think the closest we get to comparing this to other industries would be television, where CBS... Yeah, I'll go to CBS second. First, I'll use BBC. BBC, okay. at the time of producing shows like Doctor Who, would not preserve their products. They would air live on television. This was at a time before you had like proper home releases. And they right. would air on television and they would reuse the film to record over it for other programs. So if you want to go back to old Doctor Who episodes, then old versions will just flat out not exist anymore. People will recreate them to the best of their ability, but there is no official release of the like first four Doctors. Right. And if you go to CBS, for example, CBS has been more hostile to their fan communities for Star Trek than I've seen before, but it's very much an exception, not the rule, whereby, uh, what was it called, Axonar, it was a fan film project from a couple years back, and CBS ordered a cease and desist. Okay. And ever since the Axonar precedent was set, which, Axonar precedent just sounds like a Star Trek episode, please, someday. Yeah. <laughs> 
anyway, they set a precedent where it's like if you want to make a film, then you have to a fan film, mind you. It would not be something with official Star Trek branding. It would be a fan project. But if you want to circulate it online at all or publicly, then they laid down a set of guidelines, not the least of which was including you have to use this officially licensed apparel to represent our product accurately. Have so you it's guys? Like you, ha- you have to pay into their brand even if you are not making anything. There was oh. also restrictions on the potential budget scaling, whether or not you could have people that were signed on as professional actors or editors or anything else like that. It had to specifically be amateurish. And also with the level of quality restrictions, the time restrictions, all these like requirements for assets, how you had to purchase, you couldn't make anything on your own if there was a commercially available comparable product. Where this seems like it's really hurting the enthusiast market more than anything else. Yeah. What so, were you going to say, Eric? Have you heard of uh, the Fami'd uh, Voldemort movie that was made recently? No. So it's a fan-made Voldemort. It's so it's a Voldemort movie. Uh, it's a movie about Voldemort that is made after he leaves Hogwarts and how he goes from like a high school student to like the Dark Lord himself. Okay. So um, this actually got the blessing from I think Warner Brothers to be made. Uh, and from what I've heard, it's okay. <laughs> okay, exactly okay, or okay, okay for Harry Potter. Okay, okay. Like it, like everything else, Harry Potter, it tears the fans in half. Right. But, um, past that, like, I'm not expecting much from the brand Harry Potter. I want to know if it's better than. I haven't watched it yet, so I can't really say. But from all the reviews I've seen, people are either like saying like, "Hey, the effects are good," but like it's cheesy, and that's more or less it. But like it's a glorified fan film that got like a backing from like a major publisher or DOK. So like. I think that's really good for the community. It keeps it alive. It keeps it, like, vibrant. Other than that, we well, just get, like, the live-action I'm action really movies. glad you said that because I think that while people have this notion or companies tend to have this notion that, uh, oh, well, you're infringing on our property and that's bad and whatever, you know, I think ultimately it just creates more hype for the real product. <laughs> Yeah, like, you're never going to have the same experience just off the top of my head watching a pure platinum, nonstop infinite climax Bayonetta playthrough. You're not going to get the same experience watching that as you are playing it yourself. Like, you watch it, you maybe have a playlist running for three, four hours, and you're done. Versus playing it, that's maybe a couple months of your life you're putting away for this unfathomable feeling of accomplishment. Right, an accomplishment. Take notes, EA. And, like, just put it in the gameplay and... The thing is, if you put it deeply enough in the gameplay, there's no way to emulate it through a purely archival format. You're not going to be able to just watch and listen and get the same experience. Right, and, uh, like, I, I, I don't know, I think they're, the, the two biggest things are, first of all, what I was saying, or for me, I think, uh, are the, first what I was saying about um, creating hype for the actual product, but also the idea that, like, dude, if people want to play a certain thing it's not because oh well i could just play like let's take a let's take world of warcraft vanilla right people weren't and and i let's not take into account that blizzard was also like okay we should release this ourselves let's say blizzard wasn't going to release it and that it was strictly a fan project and they shut it down 
people aren't playing it because oh we want we're, we're playing this instead of you know if you shut this down we'll subscribe to new wow no they don't want to play new wow if they wanted to play new wow they would play new wow you they want to play from, vanilla you have people in there from even before the burning crusade these are people that were playing the game what was it 12 13 years ago yeah how is wow still alive <laughs> I, I know but ignoring that just these are not people who are going to get to the product that is most how do you do you even put it this is not for the most commercially available product. This is more for the product that caters to their tastes best. Right. And if there is no commercially available version of what meets their tastes, they're just going to leave the market. Yeah. So, you know, again, you shouldn't be trying to stop um, these people from being able to play the games they want to fucking play. You should be trying to work with them and say... Why do you want to play these games? What are we not giving you? Yeah, um, like Digital Extremes recently is one of the only companies I can think of where they are actively bringing their player base to the table in discussions. They're playing on unsealing the vault, just like the Cliff Notes version of Warframe is. They have limited time items, but sometimes they make the items available for purchase again. They'll right. make them some acquirable in game, some are purchase only, and they are trying to bring back something that people have been asking for for years but they're only just now making it available and they're actually contacting members of their community to try and figure out what is the most desirable configuration for how to sell this product right and they're trying to figure out the pricing the content etc and this is and not they've been reaching out to the community right yeah this is something that they could have just kept in a vacuum where they have these exorbitantly priced prime bundles and they have had them for years People would not expect it to change, but this is something that is highly desirable for the player base. It's one right. of the reasons that Warframe is one of the free-to-play games that I can really rarely ever bash on because they have such an active like, developer-fan interaction. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're looking at... They're, they're not trying to stop other people. They're trying to find out what do our players want. Yeah, it's like Digital Extremes is not shutting down like Tenogen or other fan-created content that would basically be a visual parody for their cosmetics. Instead, right. they're trying to provide something that is desirable for purchase and like not just supporting the developers, but also supporting what the consumer wants in their product, what the player wants in the game. They're, well, not, trying know, it's outmode, they're not trying to outmode their archival pursuits. They're not trying to block people out for doing fan-created content. They're actively embracing it. Thankfully, this is still something of a rarity in modern gaming and television to that small extent. But it does seem like it is coming to... Uh, I don't know how I'd put it. Just keep going, I guess. Oh, no, I, I, I was just going to say that, you know, it's... In many... I, I'm pretty sure I've heard this in, in other aspects as well. Uh, like, outside of, you know, the gaming industry and things like that. But, like, you're not... You're you're going to look way better to your customer base if you're attempting to give them a better product, not if you're trying to make other people's product look bad. Yeah, and just, that's what you're doing by trying to be like, oh well, oh you're infringing on us and this and that. Like, no, you're just making yourself look like a fucking asshole. <laughs> Consumers want the support. They want the interactions. Thing. They want to at least have the illusion that they are meaningful to the content provider. Yeah. And, 
train of thought's gone, and so is my mouth control. Somebody take over. <laughs> Eric, go for it. Oh, man. Um, I'm not really sure what to add to this. Uh, well, I guess another thing we can bring up to dead servers is... Uh, hmm. So, I, I like playing strategy games, but a lot of strategy games are not that popular, and eventually, after a while, the developer will be like, hey, so there's not enough people playing this game, we're just going to shut it down. Which makes it really hard for you to play with your friends, and the game dies. Um, I think we're going to run into this problem soon with, like, well, Risk Rain never had a server, but uh, you have to find ways around not having servers nowadays for some older games, right? Yeah, and I don't, like, it, to me, I, I, this is a bit reductive, and I'll admit that from the from the get-go, but, I mean, I don't know, it just seems really silly. To me, you're doing this thing that's akin to, um, I don't know, almost like saying, oh, well, uh, we have to make sure people aren't allowed to buy NES or Super Nintendo cartridges anymore because oh, if that person wants to play Super Mario World for the 80th time, he won't buy our new game. Like, you're not stopping anyone. The people looking for the cards aren't necessarily the ones that are going to buy a ROM. What would you it, call them now? eShop stuff. Yes. Absolutely. It's like, it comes down to a lot of the same arguments that you would expect with piracy, which unfortunately is something that archivists are desperately fighting because of the way they have to preserve the medium. It's like, this would violate some measure of piracy in almost every country I can think of. Like, right. You're infringing on copyright, if nothing else, and the companies are obligated to defend it to an extent, but there is a matter of how forgiving you are you don't all have to be nintendo where every fan project you see is something that has to be shot down immediately but you don't have to go the yoko taro route of basically compiling all of your characters porn like there's a middle <laughs> route. yeah ju just be receptive like you know there's something to be said for someone like nintendo it's like look don't you think that if somebody went through the effort of remaking Metroid 2, maybe they're just really passionate about Metroid, and that's boding very well for the hopes of a future Metroid game. It, and like, then we know? got a Metroid 2 remake on 3DS last year. Yeah, exactly. And there's no reason that the two cannot coexist, because, wow, people were playing that, which clearly means they're interested in Metroid 2. Like, I, it, there's just this ignorance. Hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to entertain the corporate mindset on this one. Like, the only thing I can see from their perspective is that they're stifling competition and they don't want to invest the resources to provide their consumers more options. Like, we're already shitting on Blizzard, so let's just use Hearthstone as an example. Okay. Where the only time they bring back legacy formats, if you can even call them that, is for special events, which encourage you to pay into the system. Where, like, we have Wild Arena going on right now, and there's probably going to be a Wild Tavern Brawl in the immediate future. Okay. And. It's like they are allowing you to play wild in formats where it's traditionally not allowed. And you might think, hang on a minute, you have all these different modes, but some of them have standard regulations, others don't. Why is it that if I'm playing with just a friend or if I'm hosting a fireside brawl or tavern brawl, whatever they call it, why right. can't I just manipulate these events so that it's within a constricted setting and I'm not impacting the general player base? Like, even in wild, for example their cards aren't restored to their effects prior to being nerfed. Like, if a card you liked playing was heavily modified, there is no way to play it again. You can't toggle on, like, insert this patch number version of the card. You are always going to play with the iteration that is enforced in that mode. 
like compared to card games in most conditions that's just needlessly restrictive right and there is no commercially available version of legacy content for hearthstone but i couldn't see a world where there is a fan maintained model of it maybe it would be a browser game for a card game that would certainly be feasible but i could definitely see a fan version of hearthstone like 1.0 like fresh out of beta no pack expansions or anything like that it's just the base game and that right. is not available anywhere in blizzard right now mm. I, I i just there's um you know i i don't know why the, I, I, obviously the the easy answer is oh corporate but you know seriously that is the one that seems to make the most sense to me about you know why wouldn't you want these things to be preserved you know these amazing games that either you know were super revolutionary or you know continue to be really really they age well and you know why wouldn't you want that to be preserved for gaming history but of course you know again there's that potential culture like i said of well if we minimize and squash the attempts that oh well people want to play this old outdated online game they won't buy our new game yeah but really you sure about that because i'm not sure about that i want to run an idea by you three tell me if i'm going too far off the rails no go ahead i think it may boil down to people i don't expecting to hold these developers up to their own standards like, Bethesda freely makes games like Daggerfall available. There's shareware. But the thing is, they do not give you the instructions to operate the game. And it is... It basically requires a DOS box now. You can't run it on modern Windows or Mac operating systems. Okay. And meanwhile, a lot of complaints that people have with, like, just modern Elder Scrolls, we're using Bethesda as an example, would be addressed as something that was technically possible in a vastly older product. And then you have things like, moving back to Blizzard, we have the very slow patching process. So people have to deal with irritations in like the way things are balanced for months at a time before even getting an official response, much less the updates. But you could... I can't think of any exa- games off the top of my head that would even offer you the op. Please let me know. Where you could modify the different patch versions to play with the balancing of your preference this is not exactly the same thing but i know with the um like the re-release of um one of the the starcrafts you can play with the old graphics nothing else has changed it's still like the current game but like that that's kind of a a cool thing right yeah and it's just using starcraft example actually starcraft anthology versus starcraft 2 whereby with the anthology re-release, you got to see just how broken the mechanics would be if you could implement some of the new technology into the older settings. Like, if you could click multiple faction... I don't know the terminology, I'm sorry. If you could, like, just click a group at a time and... Race, yeah. If you could just, like, click a group at a time and this is something that like, you have to click individually in the original version at a time in the new one you could basically break the balancing of the old game just because right. it was not prepared for that sort of Zerg mentality. Right. And um, just comparing their own products, I think, they're worried about not even competing with themselves, but they're worried about being held to their own standards, where they've clearly shown off what they're capable of, but 
it's like how car manufacturers don't show off older models. They just show you the numbers of what they've improved, and they hide the numbers that are neutral or negative. And in other words, if I if I understood you correctly, you're basically saying that uh, companies don't want their old dirty laundry coming back to light. They want things to stay in the past. How did you summarize all that mumbling into just two sentences? <laughs> I I like to think I'm a good listener. Um, Thank fuck you're here. Yeah, if I were that, that kind of went over my head. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, no, I, I I actually I totally get what you're saying in that like, oh well, look at how how bad we were at balancing, guys. Like, no, don't look at that. Look, we're so much better now. Like, no, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, but like, again. Show me how good you are at making games now, and I won't give a fuck. Although I do agree that that might be a concern for a lot of devs. Don't don't worry so much about it. Like, there's been times where people have been known for making shit games, and when they release something good, people are like, dude, we don't want you to be bad forever. More of this and we'll be happy. You know what I mean? It's, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope, I really hope that this gets overturned in some way. Because yeah, I mean, we could sit here and go, well, people will do it anyway. Yeah, but why not allow it? <laughs> I mean, some like, companies will go so far as to sell their old servers. Like, Yeah. I remember there was an auction ways back. It was either BlizzCon or something adjacent to it. And people were selling the old WoW servers. What? Like stuff that had been Fuck. technically... Wow. I, I don't know what was available on them. I was not. Yeah, interested. they might. Who knows how much they were or were not wiped? That's so still a cool thing, though. Oh, very. Yeah, cool. it's like if you were playing back in vanilla, or I don't know even if you were like a Burning Crusade baby like me, then yeah. getting some vintage WoW like hardware in a game that barely even has a CD in the box anymore. Right. That is yeah. something to commend. No, that's cool. Yeah. Um. That's actually um funny chris and i found out recently that the state of new york has an ebay site really yeah, yeah. and they they auction off like there's like anything from like old like office furniture to like um like authentic appraised like 10 karat gold jewelry that i guess probably came from like I don't know, maybe got, um, what's the word? Like, uh... Repossessed? Yeah, repossessed. Yeah. It's, like, weird stuff, but it's definitely worth checking out. Even just, like, even if there's nothing, like, you want to get, it's just a weird thing that even exists, you know? Yeah. We we tried to get, uh, camera equipment. Yeah, there was, like, a set of old camera equipment. Um, it, it ended up selling for, like, $40, so we, like, missed the bid. But... Yeah. Well, um, guys, yeah, we... I, I, I hope it works. I really do because the idea of I, I, there's plenty of games where I looked around and I said, "Man, I'm glad I either play on PC or that, you know, there's hope for in the enthusiast culture because I would love to play this game, but the servers are down or I know the servers will die." And like, I'm that guy who likes to go back to games once in a while, even if oh, it's yeah. just for a couple days with friends. And the historians are having a, uh, I would not even call it a nightmare, it's something far more hellish, with console preservations, like PS2, original Xbox, PS3, 360, Wii. These are games where a lot of online functions are being removed, if not flat out unavailable now. Yes. And 
the consoles are even more restrictive with this sort of thing than the PC manufacturers and developers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, guy. Um, sorry. Anyway, you finish out your sentence. I think the ESA has a lot more lobbying to worry about just keeping the artistic medium preserved than it does with anything. Like, I know Hawaii has four bills up right now for loot box regulation, but I'd actually like to be able to look back on these pieces of artistic history and experience them in the coming years, rather than worrying about if I'm going to be sucked bone dry from the wallet up. Suck. Yeah. So, guys, um, we hit our time limit by over a half yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, hour and a half is pretty good for three topics, 30 minutes each about. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, um, I think it's a good time for, for us to say our goodbyes. Yeah. yeah. It was a good show, guys. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to go eat. Um, oh, by the way, uh, we have uh, our stuff on SoundCloud now, right, Chris? Well, we will very, 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 very soon. Great. I Just send me the link so I can shill harder for you guys. Great. Oh, yeah. I like shillings. Will do. So, do we have any closing words for our robot over? <laughs> Don't Self- shoot us. Self-driving cars, please. That's and we'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. I'll see you later. Goodbye. Right. Bye. Bye. Have, fun. have a good one.